What's going on? You're tuning into the Justin Henry Show. Today is August 25th, and we'll be covering a lot today, man. I got my guy Chase Vernon on with Fantasy Football Intervention. Dope-ass podcast. You got to watch that. We're going to be talking about preseason. Trey Lance is going to be playing a full first half. Tom Brady is back, ready to play with the starters. And we're also going to be talking about players you have to fade. Players to fade today, baby. And we got some trivia, some little sports uh, stats coming away from last year's Fantasy Stars. Make sure you guys don't miss this one. Stay tuned. You're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Welcome to the show. You see him. My guy Chase Vernon is joining me today. Can't wait to have him on. We met up at the Fantasy Football Expo a couple weeks ago. Had a great time introducing and meeting each other, man. Chase, my man, how are you living, dog? Yo, what's up? What's up, Justin? How you doing, man? You, you ready to kick this show off? Because I'm ready to get down. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. I was on actually on Fantasy Football Intervention not that long ago. We had a good conversation there, so I'm ready to kind of continue it. Um, but let's get into this breaking news, man. Let's talk about some of the things that are going on today. We had some news coming out, so uh, we're going to get into it. This, Justin, is the name of the segment, and yeah, there was some big news. Trey Lance is going to be playing the entire first half of the game. Now, a lot of players have, you know, the preseason obviously used to be like four games, and then they, they cut it down to three, but now we're seeing players play like longer and wait till that week three game a week before the season starts. Do you like this strategy, Chase? Are you in on like the starters playing this week? Yeah, I mean, it's been different, right? Like we've always seen, you know, the starters play four week three typically and then they went to three weeks and then I think last year we primarily saw the starters sit for week three mm -hmm. and the week one was ugly like I mean even what was it the the Bills ended up having a tough time out the game yeah. I mean it was it was a lot of teams they just didn't do well uh so it wasn't great for fantasy football it wasn't great for real football and it probably wasn't too great for the ratings uh overall I mean it sucks to know that your best players could get injured in a in a pointless game but at the same time like these guys need to get the reps in. They need to get their work in and they need to get on the same page. So I'm all right with it. I'm cool with it. If they want to play one quarter or even a half, just, just let them go out there and play. If they end up getting hurt, it's unfortunate. But what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, you got to play these guys because you want them to get warmed up. You don't want to start the season off, you know, two, three weeks into the season not playing well. And I, I kind of like the strategy. We, we also see Tom Brady is going to be playing this week with the starters in the week right before the season starts. And that's a long time. Like it used to be where they played, you know, the first half of week three. Two weeks off is a long time before you play your next football game. So I think a lot of these teams were probably looking at the longer season last year, like how it moved to 17 games. You don't want to put that kind of, you know, that, that taxation on your players. But I think it's better to get warmed up, get these guys ready, especially the quarterbacks. They got to be in rhythm, man. And I like what I've seen out of Trey Lance. Have you liked what you've seen out of Trey Lance so far? Yeah, Trey Lance is going to be a beast, man. Uh, if we're talking fantasy football, like we're talking about, wheels up for, for Trey Lance and you know congratulations if he got him while his cost was still low I know my boy Jacob Sanderson over there has been talking about him nonstop for the past two years I haven't heard the end of it uh you know it's <laughs> it's something as to where like okay I got a few shares of him I wish I had more uh we're gonna be looking at a, a Jalen Hurts type yeah. outbreak you know who is also 
going to see possibly a Josh Allen type, you know, breakout. So we're, we're starting to see the, the tier type rushing quarterbacks of the future kind of grab their, you know, or grip onto the starting jobs. And I think we'll continue to see it for years to come. Yeah. I mean, both of those, I think all of those guys you mentioned have like super high upside, even this year, you know, which is, which is crazy. And, um, you know, I think for playing, we talked, you know, a little bit about playing and kind of doing some different, you know, different things and getting your starters and everything ready. Uh, well, I know you need that time. We, man, we played in that fan, that flag football game. I was done, literally done for like three days. So I know these guys need to get their, their muscles loose, get ready and get acclimated to the season, man. Uh, Another player, Antonio Gibson. We've been hearing all kind of shit about him all offseason, whether it's been, you know, he's in a reduced role working with the second team, he's in pass protection. And now Ron Rivera came out today and said he's possibly going to be the starting kick returner. What the hell is going on with Washington and what the hell is going on with Antonio Gibson, man? So it's painful, right? Because I've been a Washington fan growing up, and a couple of years ago, I, I renounced my fandom because when you're a fan of something, right, you support what the organization's doing, right? You believe in them, like you're, you're getting behind their decisions. You know, it's kind of like, why would you stay married to somebody if you don't support what they're doing? You know, if they're Facts. out cheating on you, are you going to keep, you know, are you going to stay married to them? Fuck no. Like, you're not going to do that. Hell no. So why would I continue to support an organization that I just don't agree with moves? And, you know, I felt like we were in the right direction. And then we brought on Ron Rivera, and he completely tore down the team, got rid of a lot of depth at certain positions, because if Ron Rivera is not the face of the franchise, then he feels like he's not doing his job. He needs to be in control. So he's going to make decisions that you know, are, are his way or the highway type decisions. That's why he brought in a quarterback, you know, which, by the way, I don't think was completely his decision, but why he brought in a quarterback that doesn't need to be the face of the franchise, right? Why he's drafting these these players that don't have a lot of personality, that don't have a lot of character issues as well, which is good. But it's so disappointing to watch a guy that has the talent of Antonio Gibson, like, just completely wasted because he fumbles the ball from time to time, whatever the case is. Now you can't fumble. You can't do it. Yeah, and yeah. that's a big, big hit on Antonio Gibson. So don't think that I'm defending his fumbling issues. However, figure out other ways to get him involved. Use him out of the slot. Get the ball in his hands some way on the outsides to where he's not being run up the middle and he's being, you know, stripped by these linebackers that are, you know, bigger than he is. Like figure out other ways to do things until Antonio Gibson figures it out. Like he's a young player. Young players go through things like that. And you you know it's it would be different if Antonio Gibson was just not a productive football player, but we've seen him be productive on the football field. Like we've seen him have a role. We've seen him be productive, not just in fantasy, but in real life as well. And it's not like he's the greatest running back. It's not like he's a top tier elite level athlete. But when you have a guy like JD McKissick, you're like, all right, he was ready to go to another team. You guys bring him back. Then you draft Brian Robinson. You're not really instilling any kind of confidence in a guy that probably at a at a young age needs to be a little bit more, you know, secure in his role who's earned it over the last couple of years. If it's pass protection, if it's ball security, if it's red zone ability, like, okay, then there's other issues. But we've seen Antonio Gibson, outside of the fumbling, be pretty productive in all those aspects. So to me, uh, bringing in Brian Robinson and making him immediately kind of 
the starter, it seems like, and putting Antonio Gibson on, I thought it was just like, hey, you need to earn your spot. You need to, you know, we want to see more out of you, so we're going to put you in, in pass protection and with the second stringers. Yeah. But it seems like outright just disrespect to me for Antonio that, Gibson. That's exactly how I feel as well. It is literally just, you know, slap in the face to a kid who, by the way, played wide receiver in college. He was a wide receiver. He wasn't even a running back. Then you put him in a position that probably fits him better overall, but he doesn't have a lot of experience in. He didn't have experience in pass blocking. He wasn't asked to pass block. Even if he did shift to running back for certain plays throughout college, he didn't pass block. They were they asked him to run routes. They asked him to get outside. So he needs experience. He needs reps and he needs to be in the game because he is a dynamic playmaker. Man, went from Christian McCaffrey last season to yeah. uh, to Dante Hall, Devin Hester this season. It's wild, man. We're going to stick in the NFC East, man, and talk about the Cowboys, who just lost Tyron Smith for the year, man. And that's a huge loss uh, for that team, man. Starting left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the game. How does this affect, for fantasy purposes, let's talk about this. Does this change anything when it comes to Dak, when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard? Is there anybody you're like, I'm either moving them sharply down my list or I am now putting them a little bit higher on my list due to this injury? I mean, dude, this is a big deal. Like, I don't think people realize the reason why the Cowboys, you know, struggled from time to time and Dak struggled from time to time was because they didn't have a, a good tackle helping out. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to look it up as we go, but they ended up losing uh, one of their tackles. I think it was Lel Collins. Was it uh, this past year? I want to say they lost. They lost. They've lost a lot of offensive line over the last two, three years. That stout yeah. offensive line that was there three years ago. There's. I want to say there's two or three names gone from that list now. Connor Williams left in free agency, and so did Lyle Collins. So I mean, their tackles are not in the best shape. Their offensive line is not in the best shape. I, they have a long, long ways to go in terms of of helping out Dak Prescott in this offensive line, and allowing his receivers to get open. I mean, the, I think the biggest hit for me on this entire thing is possibly Michael Gallup because Michael Gallup, he runs one route. It's a go route down the sidelines on the left side of the field. And Dak Prescott, by the way, loves that route for him, you know, prior to the injury that, that occurred. And then prior to the injuries that happened to Gallup, of course, last year, I mean, but there was a staple for this offense, right? Like that up the sideline. And then all of a sudden last year, offensive line starts to fall apart. Dak Prescott forgot how to look left, you know, it's like <laughs> Zoolander. And then all of a sudden we're, <laughs> we're dealing with uh, Michael Gallup, who was once a borderline, what RB 20 RB 15. Uh, like wires, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Wide receiver yeah. 20 wide receiver 15 is now somebody that might not even belong in the top 36, especially this year. If he does miss a few games. Yeah, no, I'm with you on there in, in the need, time. Like, Jack needs I time to pass, man. He has no time now. And, you know, I think coming off the injury, I actually was a little bit more optimistic and some other people were about Dak this year. I was off the train last year because when you come off that injury, there's just something about coming off an injury that makes you, you know, second-guess things, take a little bit extra second to think. I think now he's going to be playing a little bit more fluid. And to me, I was thinking, okay, he's going to have time in the pocket, enough you know, room to get Tony Pollard and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb, all the touches they can need. I was kind of high on higher than most on Dak when I had him as, as like my QB 10, QB 11. But now that's gone. I, I don't think that they're going to have the time. And there's some pass rushers in that division as well who will get after the ball. Uh, to me, that screams a lot of trouble for these Dallas pass catchers. Even Ezekiel Elliott, I could see Tony Pollard potentially having a little bit more of a role in some of the short yardage stuff. But to me, this whole Dallas team, um, there's some question marks now when it comes, at least when it comes to pass protection, I feel like they're going to be, uh, you know, there's a lot more to look into now, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's brutal, man. It's absolutely brutal. And, you know, I, 
I'm rooting for Dak. I'm rooting for CeeDee Lamb, of course. I, I hope they do well this year, but it is. It, it's brutal. Man, so obviously I'm not ready to just call them flat-out fades, but that's one of the things we're going to talk about on this show today is just some fades, some players that their ADP is a little too high or maybe you're just completely out on them. I'm not putting Dak or Zeke in that category yet, but let's talk about it, Chase. This is called the Zero RB. The Zero RB, the part of the podcast where we do nothing but talk about fantasy football and how it affects your daily life because fantasy sometimes is more important than your real life, man. So fades, obviously fades, you know, a lot of people view the word fade or, you know, stay away from differently. Some people want to say, okay, if I'm fading a player, that means I'm not drafting him at all. Chase, how do you value the word fade? Is it, hey, their ADP is too high, but if the player comes to me at the right, pl- the right price, I'm taking them or you like... If I'm out on a player, I am out. They burned me too many times in the past. So you should never be out on a player completely. But at the same time, there are certain players that I just don't want anything to do with. Like, And the perfect example for me, because I was, it was right when I started doing this stuff, and I was like, man, I don't know if I consider like what you just brought up, a fade as like, hey, like, how many rounds does he have to fall for me to feel like I could – be okay taking them and the year that this happened was the year with LaShawn McCoy and his last year with the Bills where I he was going to like the fifth round and and people were talking about how hey he's a value at this point he ended up falling away to the seventh by the time one of my drafts happened uh he ended up coming to me at the ninth round and I'm like I still cannot take this guy and I'm glad that I didn't because he would have burned you more weeks than he would have helped you out and he would have felt like a roster clock to an extent so what I consider a fade is a player that is being drafted as a starter on your fantasy team that I have to fall and wait till the, I don't know, the 12th round or so for me to feel okay taking him because I don't have to start him every week. You know, typically when we're drafting players to be starters, they're going to hope to start them almost every single week. So if I'm drafting a running back in the fifth round, sixth round, I want to start them every week. Right. Yeah, I would feel terrible taking a player that would end up giving me more negative weeks and positive weeks and ruin my entire fantasy team for me so any player that would initially be drafted to be a starter they would have to fall to like the 12th 12th round essentially for me to take them basically just like somebody that i'm out on like if they there's no chance they're slipping to me and if they do i'm probably still not drafting them because i don't want them on my team yeah fair enough and so i'm kind of there too normally when i call a fade is like hey this player is just going way too high in their drafts. And so I'm probably not going to get him. If I call him a fade and I'm like, Hey, I would take him three rounds later. Chances are, I'm not getting that guy anyway. Like Antonio Gibson, if you were to consider him a fade, he's going in the sixth, seventh round. I'm probably not going to take him. Even if he's there in the eighth or ninth round at this point out on him. So let's get into it. Let's get a couple examples of that chase. Who is your, not your number one fade. Just give me somebody off your list. Who's somebody that you're looking at right now. That's a, just a complete fade for you. Man, this is going to be tough. Um, mm. I am going to go ahead, and I, I hate saying this. I really do. <laughs> but Alan Robinson at this point for me is a fade. I don't hate the player or anything along those lines. But at his ADP, where was his ADP sitting that I saw? It was, it was embarrassingly high where he was borderline RB2. So I think that I would have to fade Alan Robinson. 
Yeah, Allen Robinson's getting up there. His his cost, because before he was coming in at like the back end, you know, he was wide receiver 28, wide receiver 29. And lately that's starting to creep up. And I have, I actually value Allen Robinson pretty highly. Like I think that he has really good potential with, uh, with uh, Matt Stafford and he has the ability to put up high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two numbers. I, I'm not doubting that. But his ADP now is starting to creep into that wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21 range. When there's a lot of other talent at that range, you're talking like starting wide receiver ones that you have to fulfill. So uh, to me, I am not taking Allen Robinson as a fade, but I definitely get your point where you're coming from as far as like his ADP is starting to creep up. Yeah, it's just it's just too high. It's entirely too high. He's wide receiver 26, I believe, on Fantasy Pros ADP. I mean... 62nd overall you're talking about borderline fifth sixth round pick i'm not taking him until the ninth round so i probably won't get him and even if i did have an option of taking him in the ninth round at that point i pretty much already have my wide receivers loaded up so i'm going to be looking more towards quarterback tight ends uh some backup running back type players so i don't even know if he would end up making it there he might have to fall away to the 12th round for me i love Allen, and i like Allen robinson at 26 i feel like that's a really good value for him right now on underdog fantasy which is where a lot of live rankings are this week he's been the wide receiver 18 off that's off the, absurd wide receiver 18 so his adp is definitely start there's a lot of Allen robinson love and there's some there's definitely a lot of other starters that i would take over Allen robinson in that space he's right to be honest i would rank him as like wide receiver 20 wide receiver 21 but to draft him over a guy, like, I think there's other guys I would take at that range, in that fourth, fifth round range outside of Allen Robinson. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. So we have, like, uh, dude, I mean, just in the, the ranks, not even wide receiver 18, but wide receiver 26. I'm going to rather have Darnell Mooney, who has significant upside. I'd much rather have Michael Thomas, who, as long as he's Michael healthy. Tom, easy. Amari Cooper is going to be a league winner at the tail end of years. I'd rather have the upside once Sean Watson comes back. Uh, Gabriel Davis in this offense. Jerry Judy in this offense. I, I mean, I'm literally, I could go just keep scrolling, just keep scrolling. Rashad Bateman as wide receiver 34. We're already eight wide receivers later. So what is it that you don't like about Allen Robinson? Obviously, he's with Stafford now. He burned people last year, but he was a top 12 guy in Chicago even the year before that. So what is it that you're just like, I, I'm out on Allen Robinson that you would take some of these other guys over him? So Allen Robinson is coming back from a, a major injury at a, you know, older age than what we've seen. I think it was, what, 28 now? 29, um, yeah. 29, 29 yeah. Okay, so 29 now. Uh, so he's a wide receiver on the cusp of hitting that that age apex, right? Or he's pretty much past it because age apex is 28, 29 years old. So by the time the season's up and rolling, he's going to be going on 30. Sure, wide receivers in most cases stay productive until they're 31. But a wide receiver coming off that injury at that point in time, plus, I mean, he hasn't been healthy for the majority of his career. In addition to all that stuff, then we talk about his efficiency. And I remember uh, looking something up from two years ago and seeing that the wide receivers, I think it was Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson ranked like 100th and 143rd in yards after the catch. Uh, it was something even worse for yards after contact, yards created. Uh, it was a big reason why Mitch Trubisky was failing so like horrendously was because his wide receivers weren't able to do anything. And that's mainly because Allen Robinson is not an efficient wide receiver with the ball in his hands. So we talk about this offense and what it thrives off of. Hey, it's about creating space and doing things with balls in your hands. It's just not something that Allen Robinson does very well. This offense 
I mean, he normally would play like a slot receiver, like Cooper Cup. Like if Cooper yeah. Cup was gone and Allen Robinson was stepping into the Cooper Cup role, I'd be all about it because he's going to be seeing 150 targets, right? So then he'd be then he'd be top seven receiver. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that high, but top ten. Okay, we'll go top ten. <laughs> no, no, I mean, he would be up there, right? He would be a wide receiver yeah. one, but that's not the case. So we yeah. cannot get behind him in the same role that a Robert Woods type player would play. A guy who has, you know, acceleration, who has burst, who has speed, and expect Allen Robinson to just come in and be that same player. Now, I might end up eating my words, but I promise you, if I am eating my words, if I don't get him, it's not like he's going to be a, a top 15 wide receiver. He's just like his – people are drafting him at his ceiling if they're taking him as high as 18. That yeah, is they would, at his There ceiling. would need to be a major injury in order for him to, to really be a top – to be even a back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I think he can be a low-end wide receiver two for your team. But like you said, that is closer to his ceiling than it is to his floor. And so – I ain't too mad at that, actually. I, I'm not mad at the, the fact that you're calling that his ceiling because one player you mentioned that I am personally fading is Gabriel Davis. And I think right now he is being drafted at his ceiling. He's, and it's not necessarily just because of his four-touchdown game in the postseason. I just think that wide receiver, two for the Bills team isn't as, as prolific as people think. right? We saw Cole Beasley in that role. We've seen Emmanuel Sanders in that role. It's just there's not a lot of as much volume there as people really give credit for. And when we look at his ADP right now, he's at wide receiver 19 going in the fourth round. To me, that is absolutely absurd, uh, absurd because you're talking about some other wide receivers in that range. When you're talking about the Jerry Judy's, the Michael Thomas's, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world and Gabe Davis is going over these guys. To me, I don't see the love. I don't see as much of the love unless Stephon Diggs gets hurt. That is absolutely Gabe Davis is ceiling, in my opinion. Okay, so this is going to be our first disagreement, right? Uh, just because I actually like Gabriel Davis. I don't love him, but I like him enough to take him around that range. Uh, he was a very good wide receiver thus far throughout his career. He sees a great average depth of target. Uh, his performance metrics are above average for the most part. He's a very good wide receiver. Where people start to lose me is when they start to say, hey, he could end up being that T. Higgins-esque you know, player. And I think that he could be T. Higgins if you're talking about a poor man's version of T. Higgins. The offense doesn't pass the ball enough. They have so many other targets uh, on this offense when it comes to uh, Khalil Shaker. Or Khalil Shaker, sorry, that's a joke so, yeah, we have yeah. within our podcast. <laughs> Shane one time goes, I, I'll take Shaker, whoever that guy is, Shaker. Shaker. So that's that's been a thing throughout our podcast. Yeah. So... Uh, I think that they do have other weapons throughout this offense that does not make uh, Gabriel Davis's ceiling as high as like a T. Higgins because, I mean, who else are the Bengals going to pass to outside of T. Higgins, Jamar Chase? Sure, Tyler Boyd can have a game or two in there, but I mean, right. Hayden Hurst isn't nothing. Joe Mixon has games where he catches four balls, six balls, but I mean, those are far and few between. So these two guys are the primary targets. So Josh Allen, he's always liked to spread it out. You know, he's gone to the Emmanuel Sanders, right? He's gone to uh, John Brown, right? He's He has his primary number one target, which is Stefan Diggs. Gabriel Davis will still end up finishing okay, but he doesn't have that high-end ceiling. So once again, I think we're kind of drafting Gabriel Davis to an extent in the ceiling. I think that his, his top range of outcomes is like wide receiver 13 or 14. But if I'm trying to find values throughout the draft, I'll hope that another guy follows me instead of just taking Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 19. Well, you said you said something really interesting there about Gabriel Davis and that 
you know, the Josh Allen does spread the ball around. The only player that he doesn't really spread the ball around, it's it's Diggs. Diggs is his guy. Like, that's the one who consistently gets over 100 targets. And when I look at Gabe Davis, even when he was on the field last year, he only had one or two productive games at the end of the regular season when he saw over 80% of the snaps. So to me, I'm looking at Gabe Davis as somebody who's probably not going to get as many touchdowns as people think with Dawson Knox, Josh Allen running them in, and them also focusing on the run game now with James Cook, uh, Zach Moss playing well, Devin Singletary. Um, but then also Stephon Diggs is in the red zone as well. And to me, he's going to ha- he'll have some spike weeks. He reminds me a lot of what Mike Williams is in L.A. I don't really see Gabe Davis being better than Mike Williams. And right now he's being drafted ahead of Mike Williams, which to me is just wild. So... If he's going to wide receiver 19, like which source are you using for wide receiver 19? Is this best ball? Uh, this is best ball. This is just underdog. And so they go, obviously, they're a week to week. And if we look at even like fantasy pros, I want to say he's in the top 25, even with fantasy pros. If uh, I'm not, not on fantasy pros, he's at 30, which would make a lot more sense. Yes. And, you know, you talk about best ball being wide receiver 19. That's because, you know, we are looking at his ceiling, essentially. Um but yeah, I mean, I would still be interested. I've been doing best ball nonstop. So like that's the mindset that I'm in anyways is yeah. best ball. And the reason why I pulled up fantasy pros was so that I could kind of get away from the best ball type <laughs> thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would take him at 19. I'd feel much better if he came to me at 30, though. <laughs> yeah. Like if he's in that 30 to 35 range now, now I'm considering I'm like, OK, that's to me, there's some value because there's just some other guys even, like Rashad. I like Rashad Bateman and Judy even more than I like Gabe Davis. And they're oh, wow. going to a lot more after. So what about? All right. So we, we got Allen Robinson kind of I think we could kind of see his ceiling there. Gabe Davis, obviously, we're 100 percent split on that. Who's your next fade? Oh, man. My next fate is going to be Rashad Penny. Um, Rashad Penny, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rashad Penny. Uh, he, I don't understand the, the allure. I understand he had a, a few good games, including one massive game up against the Houston Texans. Who are the Houston Texans, by the way? I understand they're going to run the ball a ton. But Rashad Penny, even last year, wasn't able to stay healthy. So all of a sudden, we see this, what, six-game or so sample size from him last year. And he's you know being drafted as a top-end running back. I don't see the allure. Uh, they're going to have to pass, and they're going to have to pass a lot. Uh, sure, they're going to try and run the ball, slow the, the game down so the game doesn't get away from them if, if they do end up turning the ball over with Geno Smith, Drew Locke, whoever the, is the quarterback at the time. Yeah. Rashad Penny, for me, is somebody that, that I have to fade. Right now, I see him it's going at RB33. What do you have him over there at best ball on? Um, taking a look right now, Rashad Penny. Let me see what he's going best ball. I know for for a fact he was going like an eighth round ADP, which to me wasn't bad. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Rashad Penny, but as somebody that is probably going to go zero RB at some point in one of our in one of my drafts, not every single one of them, of course. But at some point, I'm going to be looking for a running back two or running back three with upside. He he profiles as that for somebody who can have a strong first half. Um, yeah. But, when I'm, but I do I do see. Kenneth Walker taking over this backfield at some point later in the year, which obviously affects where you should be ranking somebody because the only thing that matters is fantasy playoffs and winning your championship. That's all that matters. Yeah, and I understand like Rashad Penny being a zero RB target, especially because you need somebody to produce at the beginning of the season if you do go zero RB and a lot of zero or, or a lot of issues with the zero RB. They end up pertaining around not getting a guy who's going to produce because you're trying to take the handcuff. You're trying to take a a guy who you think could take over the lead role. So you do need role players. You need guys who will produce in the first few weeks of the season. Rashad Penny does fit that mold. But for me, 
I can't get behind it. I, I don't understand why he's going as a wide receiver 33. And what'd you say for best ball? He's going running back 30 right now. Running back yeah. 30. So he's basically one of the last of the starters to go. And going behind a few backups. 6.3 yards per carry is not going to happen again. Uh, six touchdowns. I mean, that's absolutely absurd on, on – 119 rushing attempts. Uh, he doesn't catch the ball at all. Uh, he had eight targets last season. That could end up being the same. Yeah, it's just not not going to be a year that I want to roster Rashad Penny. Yeah, especially in PPR. I'm not mad at that take. Uh, another player who I am out on right now, um, and this is not a running back. This is a wide receiver. Is Deontay Johnson, and a lot of people love Deontay Johnson. They love the metrics. And I don't love the ADP when you're sitting at wide receiver 13. And to me, a lot of what he produced last year, 170 targets, was because of Ben Roethlisberger. And because of the setup there, there's some new faces there, obviously, with George Pickens, everybody's future Hall of Fame player. That's going to be a running joke all season, I'm assuming. But everybody loves George Pickens there. Claypool's back. Pat Farmy is supposed to have a huge year. Najee Harris is supposed to have a big year. And then we're looking at Mason Rudolph and potentially Kenny Pickett being the starters. I'm not buying Deontay Johnson getting over 150 targets this year. I'm not buying him being an elite receiver. Going at wide receiver 13 right now, to me, is a little absurd. Yeah, I have never been on Deontay Johnson. Uh, I'm starting to warm up to him, but I I can't get behind it. I, I don't have a, a counterpoint for you. I was going to yeah. try and come up with an argument, <laughs> but I don't have anything. Well, you know, the thing is, the numbers love them, but the numbers are also last year's numbers in their different situations. So to me, when you, you know, when you, a lot of the statistical and, and, and analytical guys, they'll say, you know, well, why doesn't Deontay Johnson get more love? Why is he still, why is he being faded? It's just when you look at, at what they're really trying to do there in Pittsburgh, to me, I don't, I don't see a huge reason that he's going to repeat anywhere close to what he was last year. And, and I mean, he was reliant on 170 targets to get production. It wasn't even like he was elite. He wasn't Cooper Cup status. He wasn't Devontae Adams status. He got 170 target, targets and was regular. So I, I'm out on Deontay Johnson at his ADP. I don't think – I wouldn't take him in my top 20. No, yeah, it's that's that's out there in left field, man. Taking him as your, I don't know what, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, or your second overall pick, that's just too much. Too much. Yeah. All right, who else you got for him, man? You got any other, any other fades you're looking at? Yeah, I'm looking through them. And honestly, I, I – it's tough for me to get behind some of these guys, but the top guy that I actually want to fade right now is Derrick Henry. Ooh, this is this is going to get spicy. Let's hear it. So, of course, Derrick Henry ends up getting, you know, this this insane workload, right? And he does insane things when running the ball, and he doesn't need to see uh, targets or, you know, doesn't need to be involved in the pass game or anything along those lines, right? Because he's just right. a beast. And He's a superhuman freak of an athlete who ended up coming back early from an injury that was way too soon for him to come back, but he came back. He didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible at the same time. But you have an aging running back who has a lot of efficiency metrics that he has to hit in order to be relevant. I don't see the Tennessee Titans being nearly as good as they have been over the past few years. I mean, if there's any coach that can make him good, it's Rabel. He just gets the best yeah. out of his players. Very similar, like, you know, a Mike Tomlin type thing where he doesn't have to be have the best roster. But there's still so many holes across this entire team to where, hey, I know you want to run the ball. I know it's going to be a very slow pace of play. You want to keep the games tight so you guys can have the last possession and march down the field with Derrick Henry. 
but I just don't see those efficiency metrics coming through, and I don't see the same level of volume out there. I think that they're going to start taking them out on more third downs because they don't want to put the pressure, you know, on the injury from last season. It's just a lot like that has to go right for Derrick Henry to be successful versus there are an infinite amount of things that could go wrong that would make him irrelevant. So him going to RB4 right now is just way too rich for my blood. I'd much rather have a Najee Harris, which is gross for me. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I'd much rather have. Dalvin Cook, I'd much rather have. Joe Mixon, I'd much rather have. Um, and, and we're talking about guys that are later. So if you end up having a top 12 pick, take a wide receiver, right? If you have an option between Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, take a wide receiver because in the second round, you have so many other great options that uh, Derrick Henry might not have the uh, uh, ability to outproduce by that much uh, in terms of difference of, of fantasy points. Meanwhile, these wide receivers could blow guys out the water that are guys in the second round like a – let me look. Uh, a C.D. Lamb. Kamara. Well, I was talking about wide receivers. Like you oh, might as yeah. well just go first-round wide receiver if you don't get an Austin Eckler, if you don't get a, a CMC, if you don't get a Jonathan Taylor. Might as yes. well take a wide receiver because the wide receivers in the second round and the third round are infinitely worse than some of these elite targets that you can get at wide receiver early on. Yeah, those top five guys. I, I was thinking you meant grab one of the top five guys, and then, yeah, in the, in the running backs, you're going to get Saquon, Kamara, Aaron Jones in the second round. Like, there's a, a lot of other options. Now, he started stabbing up a heart, bro, because I like Derrick Henry. I like him a lot, and he's not somebody I just put, like, in the top three. Obviously, he doesn't. he's not the pass catcher you want to see. But we saw what he did last year in the first half of the year, and my man was on a historic pace with the way he was playing and the, the volume he was getting touchdown-wise. And you said something about Tennessee maybe not being as as good as years past. What? This is to me a big uh, – something I've been talking about because I can't really figure out Derrick Henry's value. Like, is he a top five guy or is he a guy that we need to fade just because of age, efficiency, and team? And I, I kind of started off this summer fading Tennessee. I was like, oh, they're not going to be back to where they were. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, they were really one play away from moving on and advancing in the in the playoffs last year. They didn't really lose anything outside of A.J. Brown, and they used Traylon Burks to replace that. They also added Robert Woods. What's really changed about this Tennessee team that has you thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm, this, this team's going to be way worse than they were last year? Well, I mean, they lost their, their top guard in, in Roger Saffold. Yep. Um, they lost, let's see, uh, another guard, of course, in, in Questenberry. So we talk about the offensive line, you know, going downhill meanwhile a lot of their games last year they won by extremely close margins uh the schedule was was very simple i don't see jacksonville being as weak of a team as they were last year Good point i mean that's the nine day difference i think texans are, are going to be a little bit tougher i still think that tennessee will take both games from the texans but it is possible the texans end up throwing them an, you know an upset uh but the biggest part is they ended up aging right uh they didn't really add too much throughout their their free agency process it's just I mean, when when Austin Hooper is your top ad, and then you try to add Jamarco Jones from from Seattle, it, it's just not going to be good news for the Titans, uh, especially if that secondary doesn't come through this year. That secondary should be the strength of the team. If the secondary is garbage, it's it's bad news for Tennessee. Yeah, he also he also got me a little bit with the Najee Harris. I got I got Najee finishing really high this year. I got him in, in my top three for sure. Uh, but some of those other names you mentioned, I'm cool with. Like, I, I actually really like that strategy. It's kind of a side point. I like going receiver early, especially, like, when you get past five or pick five, pick six. 
and taking one of those early guys and then coming back and getting somebody who's been faded, like a Kamara, Aaron Jones, a Saquon Barkley, uh, Dalvin Cook, who's like DeAndre Swift, any of those guys that have just fallen because that's that's what's going to happen is one of those guys is going to fall into the second round. And now you can pair up still an elite running back who has a very high ceiling with the receiver who has a much higher ceiling than a potentially a CD Lamb, Mike Evans, some of those other. I, I like CD and Mike Evans, but like you mentioned, the ceiling just isn't the same as Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. Those guys are in, in an, a different tier. Uh, one other receiver that has gone crazy on, on social media over the, the last few months, uh, since he produced at the end of last season, Emma Ross St. Brown. And Amon Ross St. Brown, he's he's one of those guys to me. I know he's talented, and I know the talent is there. I just cannot get at the ADP that he's going at right now, which is top 25. He's a top 25 receiver. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, actually, on Fantasy Pros, he's number 28. Uh, and on Player Profile, I'll look that up in just a second for his, for his underdog ADP. But I can't get there. I look at some of the other options, and I'm just looking at Chris Godwin underneath them. I'm looking at Juju underneath them. I'm looking at Amari uh, Cooper underneath them, Adam Thielen underneath them, Brandon Ayuk under them. Like, I just I can't get with the Elman Ross same right, uh, same Brown hype. Are you in on him or are you out on him? I am totally out on him. Uh, he is going way too high for me, like way too rich for my blood. That offense is going to have plenty of options to, to be – uh, passing the ball around. So you're going to see DeAndre Swift with minimum probably 80 targets this season. TJ Hawkinson's going to see 100 targets. We're going to have Jamal William, or, yeah, Williams, who yep. we don't know exactly when he's going to be back. Jameson Williams, excuse Jameson me. Jameson Williams. Um, it, we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but he'll probably see, what, six targets a game, five targets a game minimum. DJ Chark, they're utilizing him all over the field. He's going to see five to seven targets per game. Amon Ross St. Brown was good because they had no other options. And Thank sure, you. he was fine when they did, but a lot of his stats were racked up in garbage time. They were playing prevent defense. You know, like it's not going to be something where we see Amon Ross St. Brown uh, get the same level of volume that he's seen in the past. I mean, DeAndre Swift was hurt. Hawkinson dealing with minor nagging injuries. It's just not going to be the same for Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, I don't see it at all, man. I just and I don't know how it's it's creeping up so high. And and to me, there's a lot to like about the kid. Like I think he's going to be better in real football than he is, and he's going to be yeah. a talented player for this Lions team. But especially we talked. Well, I mentioned earlier about the fantasy playoffs. Once Jameson Williams comes back midseason, that's just another reason for them not to target him as much. And what's Jared Goff throwing for 5,000 yards? You mentioned all those 100 target guys. Like, Jared Goff's not throwing for 4,500 yards, not throwing for 5,000 yards. And I think they're going to have more of an emphasis on running the ball anyway this year. I have loved the hard knocks. Have you been watching the hard knocks at all? I have not had time to watch anything. <laughs> I caught one of the first episodes, and I love the energy. that Those guys, I feel like they're going to be playing pretty well. But... There's a lot of our fades right there, Chase. It's tough to say fade because a lot of times you watch them as football players and you appreciate what they do on the field. It just don't translate to fantasy, man. And I want to give you a couple numbers, too. I want to see what your thoughts are on, on three guys. I got three numbers for you, and this section is called Facts Over Feelings. All right, my man. So I'm going to give you three names. I want you to tell me if you would be in on this guy or out on this guy just based off of the numbers. I'm going to trick you a little bit. Try to trick you. I probably can't, oh, but I'm going to try, though. What would you say? I said, oh, come on. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. QB 12 on the season, 3,700 yards passing, 21 passing TDs, 7 rush TDs. Are you in or out on that player? This Give season? it to me one more time. QB 12 on the season. 
3,700 yards passing, seven rushing TDs, and 21 passing TDs last season. Hmm. So it could be one of a few guys for me. And the thing is, is the guys that are coming to mind right now, they're the two guys that, like, I one of them I would be in on and the other one I would be completely out on. So one of them to me sounds like Kyler Murray, but I think he finished higher than quarterback 12. The other one is like a Ryan Tannehill who has that sneaky type rushing side. I think that Ryan Tannehill is great and all. I think he is going to have to pass more often, but his weapons are not there. I'm going to assume it's him, so I'm going to say that I'm out on him, but I don't know if that's him or not. Boom. Ryan Tannehill. Good guess, my man. It is Ryan Tannehill. And yeah, the numbers are there, the sneaky rushing numbers. So those rushing TDs did inflate his numbers a little bit, but I think he is going undervalued right now. He's going outside of the top 20 right now, which is a little bit, you know, just if you're if you're in a super flex league and you're have you have an option for a QB late, or maybe you waited on QB, you got an anchor QB and you're waiting on somebody and all the, the Derek Cars and the Kirk Cousins and the Jameis Winstons and the Tua's are gone. To, Ryan Tannehill could just be sitting there for you, man, as a top 15, potential top 15 option. All right. This wide receiver finished with 103 catches last year, 1,038 yards, and nine TDs. He finished as a in the top 12 wide receivers. Would you be in or out on this guy? All right. Give him to me one more time. Wide receiver 11 on the year, okay. 103 catches. 1,038 yards and nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns. That's the number that's throwing me off. Um, it feels like Hunter Renfro. I could also say like Mike Williams. Um, I don't, Mike Williams, I think, ended up having, did not have the touchdown year though. Um, I'm going to say it could also be Mike Evans. I'm going to say that I'm out on him. Uh, it definitely, was not a younger receiver, uh, somebody that was under the age of like 26. It feels like that's a player that's consistently done it. Uh, it feels like consistent numbers across the board. I'm going to say that I'm out though. Out on Hunter Renfro. Good call. Good Did call. I say Hunter Renfro? You said Hunter. That was one of the first names you said. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, good call on it. Hunter I, Renfro, man. I almost went Keenan Allen, but I was like, I don't remember yeah. if Keenan Allen could get nine touchdowns. I know that Hunter Renfro was utilized <laughs> in the red zone because yep. Darren Waller didn't have the same year that he had in previous years. And Derek Carr threw for a decent amount of touchdowns. So I was like, okay, it, the nine touchdowns, that's a lot of touchdowns. I, I feel like that was a Hunter Renfro type number. I am out, out on Hunter Renfro this year with uh, Adams coming to town. I'm not saying that I wouldn't take him. I'm not saying that I'm fading him necessarily. But there are other options that I like around his, his range that I'm taking. I feel like he has a very safe floor with this offense. You can expect somewhere in the, like the 80 to 90 catch range, probably somewhere in that 900 to 1,000 uh, yards, probably a little less on the touchdowns this year, maybe like that 6 to 8 range. But to me, there's no upside. Like when I look at Hunter Renfro, I respect what he did last season. I respect how he finished the year last year. And I think if Devontae Adams isn't there, I'd probably be a little bit more excited about him. But with Hunter, Hunter uh, with uh, Darren Waller healthy, Devontae Adams in the fold now. New offense with Josh McDaniels. I can see him playing the West Welker role, but I, I just don't see a lot of upside with that role. So to me, I'm I'm not out on, like you said, not out on Renfro. It's just I'm not actively targeting many drafts. Yeah, I mean, all right, his ADP is all over the place. So his ADP on fan tracks is 64, and RT Sports is 102. On Sleeper, it's 90. Uh, if it's at 90, I'd probably be in on him because you're looking at guys like DeAndre Hopkins that are around him that are going to miss games. Tyler Lockett, who I don't like the offense. Brandon Ayuk, who... I don't know what's going to happen with this offense. 
uh, Drake London, who might struggle his rookie year. So I would actually take him at that point. Um, but if he's going around like in the 60s, yeah, like uh, I'd much rather have uh, Darnell Mooney. I'd much rather have Amari Cooper. I'd much rather have Gabriel Davis. So I like it depends on, I guess, which platform you draft on. But uh, like if he's going in the hundreds, God, give me Hunter Renfro all day. He's going to yeah. be consistent. He's going to give you flex uh, flex. <laughs> type numbers every single week and he's a safe flex option well it's crazy because it at, hunter renfro is one of those players that probably depends on like what league you play in there's probably leagues where he goes like people are like hey i love hunter renfro i think yeah. he's gonna do well in the west walker role and then there's probably other leagues you can get him in the ninth tenth round where he just where people are fading him so it's weird because i don't feel like there's a consistent value on hunter renfro well it's like freaking uh it's like elijah moore on espn he's going in like the tenth round Wow. Which yeah, is that's, absolutely that's insane. So, like, yeah, you got to pay attention to the platforms you're, you're drafting on, of course, and, you know, try to compare who you would rather take over that to, to get a good gauge for their actual values. Well, I noticed uh, I was so on Sleeper, they have obviously their ratings and their projections, which I think a lot of people who don't play and don't rank, do their own rankings, they go off projections. Uh, one of the guys that's highest rated for Yahoo Fantasy running backs and PPR. The number one player, Saquon Barkley. Which to me, it's not wild to say that, but it's wild to project him as the one, as the running back one on the year. I think without just in, just to project that point wise, it's kind of crazy to me. That's absurd. Yeah. Uh, speaking of running backs, let's get into the last one we got for facts or feelings here. Uh, this running back was running back number seven on the year last year. Had a thousand yards, ten touchdowns. 47 catches, only two passing, uh, only two receiving touchdowns. You in or out? One more time again. Sorry, I keep on having you repeat it, but it's good. We got to repeat it for the for the people, baby. So running back seven, a thousand yards rushing, a thousand and two for being specific. Ten touchdowns and 47 catches. He had two receiving touchdowns. If that helps. Okay, that. Wasn't Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara I think had a little bit more than that. Um, the two receiving touchdowns are what's kind of thrown a, uh, I guess a stick in my spokes because I was thinking like <laughs> Leonard Fournette possibly, but Leonard Fournette had more receiving touchdowns, I believe. Uh, I was thinking like maybe a Cordell Patterson, but he didn't have enough rushing yards, I don't think. Um, I'm gonna say I'm out on this player. I'm not exactly sure who it is. I I like the 47 catches. Yeah, it kind of seems like Zeke. Um, I like the 47 catches, but I don't think that's necessarily enough for me, for me to be in on. My man, you are accurate as hell with this shit, bro. Ezekiel Elliott it is. It was Ezekiel Elliott. He only had two receiving touchdowns? He only had two receiving touchdowns last oh. year. And it's crazy because, you know, a lot of people are out on Zeke, fading Zeke with Tony Pollard. And we knew Zeke was banged up last year. Obviously, Tyron Smith getting uh, out for the year is, is a detriment to this team. But are we being too hard on Zeke, who's finished as an RB10 over the last three? I mean, every year of Zeke's career, he's yeah, damn near been a, a running back 10. Are we being too hard on Zeke, like expecting too much out of him? Or are we right to be like, nah, he ain't in the top 10? Where is Zeke going right now? What is his ADP? Ezekiel Elliott's ADP on Fantasy Pros is running back 16 behind James Conner, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams. I'm probably taking him over all three of those guys. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I understand fading him, right? I get it. But, like, the volume's going to be there. So, 
him healthy, right? The offensive line definitely hurts, but him healthy. They're going to try and grind out the clock. Jerry Jones just came out today and said they're going to ride to see till he, you know, the wheels fall <laughs> off, essentially. That's what he said. He said he's going to be the focal point of the offense. I mean, it's it's absurd that, that people are fading him this far. I don't care about his efficiency. Um, running back 15, 16, like, give me he's him Running all back day. 17 on underdog. Running back 17. So the only guy that I'm looking at, like within his range, that I would take over him, I'd probably take Aaron Jones questionably. Like I would be, I would have a tough time, but I'd probably end up pulling the trigger on Aaron Jones. And I really like Javonta Williams, but I probably yeah. wouldn't do that. I'm close, but I wouldn't do that yet. Uh, Leonard Fournette is probably the only guy that I would take over him in like the range of RB11 to RB20 ish. I got, yeah, I like Zeke. I like Javante and Nick Chubb over Zeke. Fournette, James Conner, ETM, Brees, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, none of those guys I'm taking over Zeke. Zeke, is he's probably running back 13 for me, maybe maybe 12, 12 or 13, somewhere in that range. The difference with, with Fournette and why I like Fournette is because Fournette has the upside to be a top five running back this year uh, relatively easily. Uh, you know, we talked – well, we didn't talk, but I've talked about like Chris Godwin and how much I love Chris Godwin, but he might not be healthy right off the bat. Uh, yeah. We've seen even when Chris Godwin was healthy and when they had Gronkowski, which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't have anymore, um, you know, and, and they had all these other options. Fournette was still utilized because they would these these wide receivers and everybody would would pull these defensive backs and these linebackers out, and Fournette would just get dump off after dump off after dump off after dump off. Well, now Fournette might have to start getting dump offs because although you still have the Russell Gages still have the Julio Jones teams are going to be weary of that, but they might not be able to get open up against double coverages up against bracketed coverages up against better defensive backs that they end up facing one-on-one -on -one coverages. So now you're talking about the defense getting pulled back, but the wide receivers might not be able to get as open as, you know, Chris Godwin is able to do. And Gronkowski was able to do because these are much talented, more talented players. Yeah. Keep in mind, Chris Godwin will be coming back, you know, and, and will be fine when he does, but start of the season at least. Well, I, I think that, that Fournette will see the same, if not more, targets as last year and could end up seeing a lot more touchdowns as well. Now, for somebody, you know, obviously this in the Buccaneers offensive line has been decimated even over this training camp. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. They lost Ali Marpet uh, to free agency, obviously. And so they also did draft Rashad White. Gio Bernard was brought back. Keyshawn Vaughn, for whatever the hell he is, is still on the roster. Like, does that alter your thought process on that? Because I know you mentioned a lot more drop-offs. Do you see Rashad White playing a James White type of role for this team or even Gio Bernard having more? I know he wasn't very effective last year, but he re-signed with the team. Like, are you are you concerned at all about the other pass-catching backs <clears throat> on Tampa? Because Rashad White, to me, is definitely a threat. Gio Bernard was definitely, is definitely concerning, right? I'm not concerned about a rookie running back. Tom Brady has never had a successful rookie running back. Uh, you know, he makes one mistake and he's done for the whole season. You know, like he whiffs on a yeah. block or something. He's done for the whole year. He drops a pass. He's done for the whole year. We saw it last year with, with Keyshawn Vaughn, of course. And, you know, what happens with Ronald Jones at a, at a younger age uh, was mature enough to handle it. Now, Rashad White did come out of college a little later. I think he is more mature. And I do think he has a future with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's uh, a borderline first-round pick for me in rookie drafts for Dynasty. That's how much I like him. Yeah. However, I think for 2022, Leonard Fournette is still a safe bet. And I'm not saying that he does finish as a top three running back. I think that he has potential to if the cards fall, you know, right for him, of course. But I yeah. mean, at, at what, RB14, I think he, I saw, like, he, 
he should hit that pretty easily. Yeah, he's. I've called him a fade. Um, and the ADP's kind of come down a little bit since I said that he was like running back ten at the start of like off season and training camp. It's come down since the weight the weight joke started coming around the two sixties. Um, but he's lost all, all that weight. To me, one of the the concerns for him was injuries. I think keeping him preserved throughout the year. He's dealt with a lot of injuries, so that's probably baked into his ADP just a little bit. He's not as much of a fade for me anymore, but I'm probably not. I'm probably staying away from Leonard Fournette. Just me personally. I I'm, I hear you take though. I ain't too mad at it, dude. I mean, he's if you think about it, like he's RB four in points per game last season. He's RB six in total points, and he only played fourteen out of the seventeen games. So like you said, yeah, sure, he didn't play three games, and I think he left early in one game because of an injury. But he still finished up as RB six without playing three full games. Like that's that's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. I can't hate on that, man. We well, we talked, dissected all the damn fantasy shit. You guys, make sure y'all like, subscribe, get all in the fantasy stuff, man. But we hit got some games. Button. Hit, hit the button, smash button. it, right? <laughs> smash hit that, that shit. So, yo, we got real games smash tonight, that. though. We got we got real preseason, but we got real games. Like, let's talk about these real games, man. This section is called Straight Up. We talk about betting. So we got two games on deck. Two games on deck. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers play the Houston Texans, who are three-point underdogs to the Niners. And we got the Green Bay Packers, who play the Kansas City Chiefs, who are one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Let's get into this Niners-Houston game, uh, Texans game. Trey Lance is supposed to be playing. We talked about it earlier. Trey Lance is supposed to be playing the entire first half of this game. I would love it as a Niner fan. I want to see this shit happen. I want to see all the hype. I want to see like five touchdowns from Trey Lance, three of them rushing, three passing, whatever the hell that adds up to. How do you feel like this game plays out? Oh, God, man. You're asking me to talk about a, a 49ers-Texans game? Come on. Now you're killing me. Interesting. No, it, Only the most interesting. So I don't know if the Texans will, will roll out their top defense, obviously. I think that they'll play their linebackers to understand the blitz coverages and you know probably help them out a little bit also let them know where they're going to be uh, in terms of like, you know, the spies and stuff, they'll probably stay out there to, to cover Trey Lance. But I mean, we're talking about a terrible Texans team overall that is in complete rebuild mode. It's going to end up being somewhat of a blowout, but after a certain point, it's just going to, it's just kind of going to die. And then like, it's, there's nothing to watch by the second half. So if you're talking betting, you're talking about over unders and stuff. If it's not going to hit, the over like obviously going to hit or if you haven't even yeah. hit the over by the end of the first half you might not hit the over period bro like, the over see, is 40 and a half points which is really high for preseason it is high uh you know i would definitely still take that over because you could easily see it jump out to a 21 to 7 game by by halftime if, if you need two touchdowns or two field goals and a touchdown it's borderline i know that but i would still i think take the over I probably I I was leaning a little bit more to what you were saying before that. By the first half, we're gonna know. Like I feel like the Niners are gonna put up at least twenty one. The Texans are probably gonna get destroyed in the first half. So I would lean Niners minus two and a half minus or minus three or minus three is what it is. Niners minus three. I would lean that all day. Now the over, I probably would take the over in this one. I mean the under in this one. Because I think, right, you mentioned it. I think you hit it spot on. After the first half, both teams are gonna struggle to score. I just, I just think that they're going to be focusing on a lot of different things for the Niners as well as the Texans. This offense is built around Trey Lance. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I don't see this thing getting over forty points. 
so here's the deal. This is the the reason why I'm taking the over. Uh, Shanahan's system relies heavily off of using the the play action fake and pounding the ball away, right? Making sure that that the team is defending the run and then it sets up the pass. There's a reason why was it 2019 and 2020. Jimmy G and Nick Mullins in each one of those years led the league in balls over 20 plus yards. It's because it was extremely efficient. So what they're going to do in this game is they're going to make sure that they implement the concept that they want to run throughout the season. And that means that we're going to see some deep balls from Trey Lance. If Trey Lance can complete this, these deep balls, guess what? The Texans are terrible, by the way, at defending up against deep balls and defending the in interior run so we're going to see them get gashed time after time they're going to bring their safeties up and then you're going to see trey lance hit that that long ball as long as it connects we could see three touchdowns easily right yeah by halftime meanwhile at halftime you're going to end up having the texans altering their defense once they start pulling guys to the interior it's up to the backups at this point to actually hit their their target but we could still see those breakaway type throws because shanahan's not going to change the game plan at halftime He's not going right, to do it. Right. So we're going to still see the big time attempts and, and the deep throws in this game. And I think we're going to see him a little bit more often uh, than what you would expect in, in most preseason games. Cause typically you don't want right. to take too many of those, those deep shots, but we're going to see a lot of deep shots. And, and I think that a lot of them are going to end up uh, being complete to the Iukes and, you know, to the guys who can get downfield. Yeah. We saw, I mean, we already saw it with Danny Gray. It was big. Danny hitter. Gray. So you, you know, you know, the shots are coming. So Good point there. And then the last game, real quick, we'll go Packers and KC. Uh, KC is a uh, one-and-a-half-point one dog. I'm not sure that we see the starters for the uh, – I don't know if they've announced it yet. The Chiefs starters are going to be playing. They played extensively last week, so I'm not sure we see them again. Who you got in this game? I mean, honestly, this one's tough uh, just because I have not seen who they're going to play. And I, I think that they're going to spend more time like evaluating their entire roster versus getting their veterans out there. And it's probably going to be the same thing with the Packers. However, I think that we could end up seeing Aaron Rodgers play a little more often if he does play at all, uh, just to get some chemistry going with his rookies again. Once again, I mean, this is a game that I probably wouldn't bet on just because it's, yeah. it's too much unknown as of right now. Once I find out a little bit more details, because I, honestly wasn't as prepared for the segment uh i i will uh probably post on our i'll post on the, the comments how about that i'll post in the comments that you end up putting a twitter as to which team i would take um once we figure out the starters had to throw you had to throw you on the spot baby preseason make sure you get ready for the regular season sometimes it's just on the spot man and i know you hey i know you're ready for anything i saw how we did that fantasy that flag football tournament bro i knew you were a gamer the minute i the minute i saw you on the field i was like all right this dude chase is a gamer it got a lot of respect for me just in that day yeah dude it was fun man it was a blast that was fun did, did man see, well did you see me post the video of myself on twitter earlier I did not. I, I'm, oh I'm yeah, I did it was actually Stefan. It was it was Stefan Diggs, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I you play like Stefan Diggs, man. Tight spots. To be real, when you like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm get, I'm good. I saw you. I was like, ah, oh, he ain't that good. And then I saw you run around, and I was like, oh shit, he's real. <laughs> like you played? Did you play real football? Did you play football in high school or college? Uh, no, I well, I played in high school for a year or two. I came up playing soccer and all. Unfortunately, I got hurt because I literally, uh, you know, I was 120 pounds playing varsity <laughs> football. I got crushed by the the fullback who was 260 around like the middle at me, dude. I I got absolutely smacked <laughs> when I was playing safety. Uh, so I, I wasn't able to play again. But um, you know, I, I still love the sport and I play competitive flag. So I'm I was playing Division One up until COVID hit. Division One competitive full contact flag. So that was where I get my, my stuff from. 
Now it makes sense. Well, Chase, appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely got to do it again. Let people know where to find you at, dog. Dude, you guys can go check out all my content over there at FF underscore intervention on Twitter. I'm over there with Trophy Smack. You know, big shout out to you guys as well. Shout out. I know that you all are, are going to be working with Trophy Smack as well. Can't wait to see that champ chain come in. It's going to be sexy as yes, hell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm very sir. excited for that, man. And then, of course, uh, you know, doing all the content for them, all the social media. And then over there at Player Profiler, we just made an announcement a couple days ago that I will be running the DFS show, uh, The Big Tilt, with Jacob Sanderson. We're going to be doing the every Friday night, and we're going to be crushing souls, taking money, or giving hey. money if you're listening in uh, to all of our DFS stuff. I'm very excited for that. Oh, shit. You got to have me on there, too, baby. It's love. We got to <laughs> we gotta definitely cross paths at some point again on those. And, yeah, make sure you guys follow Chase on all social media platforms and everywhere he mentioned all the shows. This has been another episode. Justin Henry Show will be back tomorrow, 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 6 o'clock Eastern. See you guys then. Smack that subscribe button. Smack